0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Blacklist, the show where we interview the elite. Today we have a man, Austin. He is incredible when it comes to passive income. In fact, that's probably the biggest thing. Like when I was taking a look at, okay, who's like one of the go-to guys, you were definitely one of them because he has investments in oil, he has investments in exotic car companies, he has investments in uh, artificial trading, he does a lot of stuff. Um, but obviously he wasn't always like that, right? Not always. So take us back, um, you know, briefly so when it wasn't like that, why did you determine like, hey, I needed to, you know, I need to do passive income and, you know, do that type of stuff out of any industry you could have chosen. Why that?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. Super excited to be here. Um, The thing that really, really got my attention was how much time I was spending at work. So uh, just backtrack a little bit. I started in corporate America. I was working at Microsoft as a consultant. So they contracted me to do like strategy work. Yeah. And that was great. It was nice. It was comfortable. But at the end of the day, I had just one freedom. I had financial freedom. Like I had, I was making pretty good money, you know, for that time for me, I was like, okay, this is nice. Yeah. But I didn't have geographical freedom. I couldn't travel whenever I wanted to. And I didn't have time freedom. If I wanted to leave or if I didn't want to show up to work, I had to go through like 10 different approvals. Right. And it's only like certain times a year and like all these different things that are considered when you do something like that. So for me... I was like, hey, I need to do something about my income so that it's no longer tied to the amount of hours that I work. I want to separate dollars from hours. So it had nothing to do with the industry. It had
0: everything to do with your lifestyle then.
1: Yeah, lifestyle is really important to me. And growing up, I watched my parents work a lot. They had a semi-truck company. So I would watch them literally work from super, super early mornings until late at night. And I never got to see them growing up. And that was always my perception of business. I was like, wow. Like if I want to own my own business, I'm going to have to work like that. And I didn't want to, because I could see that even though they were making more money than maybe a regular nine to five job, they just had the financial freedom, but they didn't even have time to enjoy it. Right, Never got to go on vacation with them, nothing like that. And so for me, I knew that first of all, I wanted to kind of prove myself wrong in that mindset. I wanted to like break out of that limitation. And the second thing for me was that, I knew that I wanted to create something that wasn't tied to the hours that I worked. I wanted that lifestyle. Yeah. And
0: now, I mean, you're traveling like so often, dude. Like you were in New York City, I think like two weeks ago, you were in Morocco. Um, you're Monaco. Going, Monaco. Monaco, sorry. <laughs> you're going back to Seattle tomorrow. You're in yeah. Vegas. Like you travel a lot. And then you're going to Miami for your event, which by the way, his event is huge. He has Damon John there. What else do yeah. you have?
1: Uh, That's our headliner, Damon John. Then we got a bunch of really cool speakers. Um. You know, off the top of my head, I'll be speaking. We have uh, Colin Yurkison Yer- speaking. We have DJ Thielen, Tyler Cerny, KDK, uh, just a lot of really cool people in the industry. And yeah. they're going to be teaching us things, everything from like passive income type stuff all the way up to how to buy a business for $1 down. Like that's one wow. of the coolest topics that we're going to have. And of course, I'll be, I'll be teaching a couple passive income strategies as well. I think it's very important that people walk away with the ability to literally create some sort of tangible income from that event.
0: Yeah. And, and you have this uh, like program or mentorship where essentially you help them create, you know, six figures in passive income as yep. soon as possible. Right. Yep. And
1: oh, yeah. Go, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like a three part <laughs> thing. Number one, we get them access to business funding and that can look like so many different things. But yeah. we have many vendors that give them access to capital to invest. That's always going to be the first step for everybody. I literally have people in my program who are making millions per year and they've invested zero of their own dollars. Yeah, They got it all through business funding, through my sources. Now, the second part is learning how to actually allocate that capital. So, cool, I got 500K. What do I do with it now? And so we show them the different avenues that I personally use and they can piece together their own portfolio based on my successes. Yeah. So I'm kind of like their insurance policy. Like, hey, let me go try it out. If it works for me, I'll share it with you and you're welcome to do it as well. Right. I'll even give you the guy that operates it for me. Yeah. You know, that's all kind of part of the mastermind. And then we scaled and we helped them scale that strategically to six figures. Yeah. Uh, and most people, realistically, six to 12 months, they're getting there.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's good. I mean, that's amazing. It's not just good, right? Um, one thing that I want to mention is the fact that like you have done so much in that industry where it's like you have different investments. Um, how did you determine which one was, uh, or actually, which one ended up working out first? Because I'm pretty sure you've had a lot of them that didn't work out.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, what I found is, uh, well, everything was really built on me investing into Forex. Initially, I started trading, I got consistent, and then I built a software. And how long ago was this? Let's uh, say about six, seven years ago. Okay. Yeah, I was learning how to trade Forex. I got consistent right around that time, and then I launched the software. And so the software changed everything. Now, my entire process was automated. Yeah. I could take my strategy and let it run on autopilot while I was sleeping. Every morning I wake up and I just check how much money I made. It was awesome. Yeah, And that's really what sparked the light for me because I'm like, okay, well, I don't even really need trading skill to do this, which means I could give it to somebody else and somebody else could run the software on their own account. And that's how I really started growing the business. That was the one that first took off. From there, we started diversifying into other things. So oil wells, E-commerce stores, exotic car rentals. Uh, Now we're moving into jets and yachts and like just bigger things. But it's all predicated on two things. Number one, we want to protect ourselves from inflation. So we're buying assets that are probably going to hold their value, maybe even go up in value. Like all our exotic cars so far, for the most part, have been going up in value. We're buying them at strategic price points. Um, Also things like apartment buildings and um, like jets and stuff. Like we're buying jets that are appreciating. They have a track record of appreciating due to certain things that we know about those planes. Yeah. We know they're going to most likely appreciate or at least protect us from losing a bunch um, right off the Uh, the bat. Yeah. That's actually how I found you, right? Because I was
0: like, hey, dude, I want to get in on that. Like, I want (laughs) to invest in the jet. And then you're like, look, I got to, you know, you got to join this thing first, you know, to kind of get access to your deals because that's the whole thing, right? Like not everybody has access to your deals.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, And you know, kind of walk me through that when you found the first one, did it just, you know, kind of like a domino effect where you're like, okay, now I know what to look for because I think investing in different avenues like that, it's uh, a little difficult, I think, but I don't know. Yeah. I haven't done it.
1: No. So it wasn't a domino effect necessarily. I would say, it started with Forex, right? And then I did, the next one I did was like, I think e-commerce or oil wells, something like that, but started diversifying. And I was, I was ha- cash flowing pretty nicely from the software. So thankfully I had enough like financial firepower to just go into a bunch yes. of things at once. Yeah. yeah. And what I found is that about 60 to 70% of them were being profitable and they worked out. And the other 30 to 40% just weren't working out. And it wasn't always due to the fact that I made a bad choice, by the way. Like, some of these investments, they're legit investments. They make sense on paper, in theory. It should be working. But something sometimes just happens. Economically, maybe with the platform. um, Like, one of the bigger ones is Walmart automation stores. Like, they worked until they stopped working. Yeah, And there's nothing wrong with the business model. It's a great business model. It's a great business plan. It should work in theory. But Walmart just decided to shut everybody's accounts down. And right. there's nothing you can do about that. But that plays into that 30 to 40% that fails. And so I realized, hey, people want to know how to invest. People want to go down this path that I went down. But not everybody has the luxury of potentially failing in an investment. So how could I curb that Uh, curb that chance of failure for them and protect them to the point where they're most likely going to succeed. Right. And so for me, it was just taking that 60 to 70 percent that I found to be profitable, that I have literal proof that it's profitable. And I put it into the program and I just show them, hey, these are the things that worked out for me. Yeah. And if you want to be a part of them, I'll connect you to the guy that's operating my my exotic cars, that's running my oil wells, that's running my Bitcoin miners. Like, all these different things. I have that network now and I know who works and who doesn't.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We'll walk us through some of them that didn't work. You don't have
0: to obviously name names or anything <laughs> like that. But, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure not yeah. everything was like just walking the park.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, definitely not. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the biggest ones was definitely the e-commerce one. I went in pretty big on that. I had at one point like seven different stores and they all just kind of failed at once. Damn, yeah. (laughs) And those can run pretty expensive. They're anywhere from like 30 to 60K for a store. And then you need to have inventory and you need to have credit cards available to your drop shipping. So that was one of the bigger ones. But I'd say like the silliest one that I failed on uh, was definitely a Forex trading bot. So there's so many uh, people in the Forex space. I would say... Like there's a lot of people that try to take advantage of it. Yeah. You know, and it gets a bad rep because of that, you know, but that's expected um, with when you have so many people trying to do weird things. Yeah. But there are legitimate people in the Forex space. And so this is somebody that I trusted that I believed would be a good option to pursue a business with. And he had his own software that he created. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I have experience with this. I know how a software should work. Um, And so I'd say that was like my biggest failure in investing is just trusting that money to him because I didn't know him in person. I knew who he was. Yeah. Um, and like the biggest red flags were really that he wasn't giving transparency on how it was all operated. I didn't get to see the money get deposited anywhere. I didn't see those things, but I had a certain level of trust just based on like, uh, a business relationship that we had prior to that. Right. Right. So, um, that was one of the bigger failures for sure. Um, but Financially speaking, I'd say the uh, e-commerce stores for sure. Yeah. Not doing that again. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> well, good. No, um, I still have some running, but just not those. Yeah. No, that makes <laughs> sense. That makes sense.
0: So for the, your students and stuff. Yeah. Um. How, so you're just telling them exactly like, look, this is what's worked for me and I'll introduce you. And are they looking at, you know, like your margins on those and stuff like that? So that way they can make a clear decision or how does that look like? Because they, they, what I'm hearing is they essentially get to choose the route that they want to go. But obviously, yep. there's probably some routes that are better than others, right?
1: Yes, but I'm not allowed to advise them on that because I'm not a financial advisor. Yeah. So I have to just be very, very transparent about, hey, this is my experience. Like, this worked for me. This is how much I'm making. If you want to be a part of it, go for it. I will show you exactly the steps that I took. And you can just copy what I did. Yeah. You don't have to try to figure it out on your own. Why would you go out and potentially lose your money if you could just copy what's already working for me? I'm right. let, let me be your insurance policy. That's essentially what it is. Plus, there's, of course, the mentorship aspect attached to it. We have daily mentorship going on. Right now, actually, as we're here, we have our Airbnb coach teaching on Airbnbs. Yeah. So we have a specialist every day. Um, and so they talk about different topics, credit and mindset, Airbnb, crypto, everything. Um, so... We have coaches that are teaching these things. And then when they want actual access to deals, that's when I come in and I share about, hey, this is where I got access to exotic cars. We have a vendor in New York. We have a vendor in LA, Miami, yeah. Seattle. Hey, you want oil wells? Okay, what city in Texas? We have multiple vendors. Oh, you want to do like rental properties? Long-term, short-term, Airbnb. Do you want to buy something that we rehab first? And then we keep it as a rental, pull our cash out. So many different strategies. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what's the goal now, then? Because
0: uh, is is your like your role as a CEO? Are you continuously trying out
1: new things? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, personally, I love doing that, like trying different investments. I literally have invested into two new investments that I've never done ever before this week. Yeah. I can't tell you what they are yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll be posting about them soon. But like, really, really cool investments and. The biggest thing for me is as I do more investments, I get introduced to more investors and more right. investment opportunities. And people pitch me things all the time. It, literally, almost every single day, people are pitching me things. And that's given me a lot of experience to kind of see who's legit and who's not. And I'm getting better at vetting these deals before I ever put money into them. Yeah. And so now it's just kind of like a game. It's kind of like Monopoly. I'm just collecting properties on the right. board. Right. and each of them some of them are paying a lot some of them aren't paying too much but it's still assets that I own yeah and so it's becoming like this Empire that I'm building and slowly scaling up so for me it's just going more institutional um going bigger deals you know I've developed a pretty good skill set at this point at investment analysis and uh running some of these operations and for me now it's just getting it to the next level and working with investors instead of people that have maybe a hundred thousand five hundred thousand. Maybe somebody that has 50 million, 100 million. Yeah. So just larger scale. Um, although I do love working with the people who are just starting out, I want to help them get to that level where they're investing 10 million, 20 million, 50 million. Yeah. Because that's the next step for everybody. That's institutional money. Yeah. And how are you vetting these deals? Like, cause you said you've gotten yeah. really good, right? So I'm pretty
0: sure you're finding, you know, either loopholes or not necessarily loopholes, but um, you know what a bad deal looks like. Yeah. And uh, you know what a good deal looks like. So.
1: Yeah, so I have a a set process that I use. I really love to fly out and meet the person like face to face, you know? That's really big for me and some of my best investments, almost every single one of my really top performing investments, I know the owner personally and I have an established relationship. It's not just some random person. Yeah. And that I feel like brings a certain level of accountability to the whole like process because they know me in person, I know them in person, and they're usually going to be pretty like straight up with me, you know? Yeah. And so they know that they can build a good relationship with us. We have a big community of investors and they want to make sure that our investors are winning so that we come back to them for more. So for me, it's a matter of knowing the owner, knowing their philosophies, how they do business, and then understanding the numbers. And usually what you can do is you can cut down their projections of what you're going to make to like 50 to 70% of what they're saying. Got it. Um, And that way, if that's what you're expecting and they deliver what they're actually saying, you feel like they're over delivering. You know, and don't ever base your entire investment strategy on the numbers that they're giving you because usually they're a little bit optimistic. Yeah. That's what I found. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's good. So I think, um, you know, as an
0: investor, it's completely different than being a business owner, but you're both, right? Yeah. Um, And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're an investor first. But I also think you know how to run a very good business because, you know, when we were talking in New York City, you are saying, yeah, you know, I'm just hiring somebody that ends up, you know, doing this, all this for me. And you're basically... Kind of doing a similar strategy where you're hiring somebody, but in this, in this case, it's like you're investing in your business to make sure that it runs where you're getting, you know, ads done, you're getting a sales team, you know, closing the deals, things like that. What are the yep. major key differences um, that you found from being a business owner to an investor? Are you managing it still or no? Are you still playing it off like you're an investor in your own business?
1: The business? Oh, no, no, no. I'm definitely managing certain aspects of it. Yeah. Um, definitely more of the uh, strategic leadership aspect of it and where we're headed as a business. I'm still directing much of that. I'm still doing coaching for our higher-level clients. I'm still doing the weekly coaching. Yeah. Um, and so with that, I think that there's certain things that you should be hiring out. So for example, content and getting graphics done and editing videos and ads and marketing and sales, all these different things should be hired out. Because there are better things that I could be spending my time on that are going to bring a lot more value, not just to me, but to the business and to every single person that's involved in the business. Yeah. If I'm not doing my job, the guy that's running ads isn't going to have anything to run ads for. Right, right. And so if he's able to handle that fully, I can handle my part fully. And we are both in our lane. And that's how you succeed. We're a team that way. If I'm trying to do his job and he's trying to do my job, it's not going to work out. Yeah. You know.
0: How are you determining what what to hire for, though?
1: Uh, It's mostly been based on need. And it's also kind of a similar approach to what I did with investing. It's kind of trial and error. Like I hired somebody to do graphics for me. That was one of my first hires. Didn't work out, you know, and I realized (laughs) that, hey, maybe that's not what I need to hire somebody for. Then I hired a video editor. That worked great. Okay, so let's hire an operations manager. Let's hire a couple, you know, people that are working under that person in operations. Let's hire a sales team and just kind of build on itself.
0: So you're very okay with failing then. Because, uh, like you said, a lot of it is trial and error. You're okay with like, hey, this is not working out. It just didn't work out. Continue to move forward. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think
0: a lot of people were probably scared of doing that because they're like, dude, I just saved up X amount. If I put it in here, it's over. Right? Like, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of stems from my confidence as an investor. Because I know, hey, my business is, it is an investment, but it is time and also financial investment. Yeah. And so for me, I know that even if my business totally failed, well, I'm still an investor. I'm still making money from my investments. Right. You know, and so that gives me a little bit more flexibility. Yeah. Um, But I do believe that even if I wasn't an investor, I still would take that same approach because I believe failing fast is the key to growing your business. If you can fail quickly, that means you can also succeed quickly. You always have to be taking big risks. If you're taking a big risk, that means you can massively succeed really, really quickly. You can also massively fail. But even if you fail, you just have to move on. The key is letting go there. So if you fail, let it go. Continue going. And if you succeed, well, you just moved like two or three years ahead in business in maybe a couple months. Do Do you not get emotionally
0: attached to any of that, whether it's business or investments? If yeah, that's the easiest way to lose, man. <laughs> yeah, see, because I'm noticing, like, yeah, I don't think, I mean, this is just my perception of you. But it doesn't look like you would get mad if something ended up happening. It would, it it, would, it definitely looks like to me that you would move on and move forward and just adapt and, you know, evolve. But it, it seems like you're very calm, collected, and you're okay if something doesn't work out. <laughs> How did you get to that point? Because, you know, in the beginning, when you first didn't have all that money, like, I'm pretty sure the e-com stuff was, like, detrimental. Or was
1: it not? Yeah, it's it really sucked, you know, but one thing that I learned, <laughs> yeah, one thing that I learned and this is actually forex trading that taught me this is yeah. to not be emotional. Mm. I can't be tied to the outcome. I'm tied to the outcome of the long game, not the short game. Yeah. I could lose my next 10 deals in a row, but guess what? That means I'm going to win the next 80 or 90. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so for me, The only way that I can succeed as an investor or as a business owner is if I'm not emotionally attached. The easiest way to lose money is to become emotionally attached and take emotionally driven decisions. If I'm taking logical decisions, if I'm doing stuff based on numbers, based on math, based on what I need to do in my business, and I know I need to do it, I can't let emotions get in the way. Unless I want to lose. Right. Right. No, I mean, it sounds
0: simple. But I feel like a lot of people listening, are like, dude, I can't do that. Like if something happens, there's a fire or whatever, right? That They very much get emotionally involved. Um, and you just learned that early on then with the with the trading, right? Because for you, it was not so much about like, it, you knew. Like if you got emotionally involved, you lost anyways. So might as well be yeah. calm, collected, and logical,
1: right? Yeah. The way I convinced myself to become less emotional about it is I convinced myself that every time I include emotion in my decision… I have a 90% chance of losing. Yeah, And if yeah. I if that 10% of chance of me winning happens, it's actually going to be worse than me losing. Because mm. if I lose, I'm going to have a financial lesson. I would have lost 5 grand, 10 grand, whatever. That would have hurt. Pain is one of the best teachers. Yeah. But if I don't have that pain, and if I get that 10% chance of winning, and that's what happens based on my emotional decision, that's going to hurt me way more in the long run. Because I'm going to be like, oh, well, now I can always take emotional decisions, and yeah. I'm still probably going to win. You know, it gives us that false sense of confidence. And you want to avoid that. Yeah. Powerful, powerful.
0: Well, dude, for people that, you know, want to learn more, um, where can people find you?
1: Uh, the best is my Instagram. Um, it is kind of like my landing page, Austin Zellen, um, at Austin Zellen. So I, I keep most of my content on there, whether it's investments or new projects that we're working on. Uh, it's kind of become like my landing page. It's my, it's my business card. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like it. <laughs> I yeah. see your stuff all the time, dude. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me.